another episode of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. I am honored that you have decided to stop by. Today, we've got another great guest. It is professional golfer extraordinaire, Shasta Avery Hart, where you will listen to her story, the ups and downs, the mental game, the importance of a life coach, and how everything in her life has shaped her into the amazing woman that she is. So sit back, take some notes, and enjoy Shasta Avery Hart. Ah, what is up, everybody? Today is another great episode of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience, and I have the privilege, the honor, the amazingness to bring you an amazing guest. She is a professional golfer. She is a what I call a professional badass. She golfed in college herself. Today, we have pro golfer Shasta Avery Hart. How you doing, Shasta? I'm great. How you doing, Fernando? I am doing amazing because the alternative would absolutely suck. So, Shasta, <laughs> listen, you're you're an impressive, impressive person. If you don't mind just giving the audience about like the year the, of who you are, what you do, and why. Okay, so uh, as Fernando just introduced myself, Shasta Abrahart, I am from Flint, Michigan, and I am a professional golfer. And um, which that means is I played on the LPGA tour. I've also played on the Symmetra tour and uh, I've traveled around the country, different parts of the world, playing golf competitively. And why do I do it? Um, There's so many reasons. Um, Number one, I love competition. And so competition is gets my adrenaline going and it's just something you're working towards. And it's a difference between like you're competitive with your hobbies or maybe you're not competitive with your hobbies, but I feel like with golf, it's just, I'm so zeroed in Mm -hmm. on sometimes I do it. Sometimes I'm like, I make it happen. Sometimes I don't, but, um, I find that with my purpose, it just seems like it always diverts back to golf. And it's something that I've done since the age of seven and I just love it. And it has Almost like it just gives me the experiences I don't think I've ever would experienced if I had I not played golf. I love it. You talk about purpose. I mean, people are always searching their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. You said you've been golfing since you were seven. At seven, was it just something you did? And then later on, you found your purpose. And when you found that purpose, when you realized that light bulb went in your head, like, wow, this is my purpose. How was that feeling? And how did you have the courage to actually move toward that purpose? So when I, okay, so when I was seven, my dad, he's an avid golfer. And so he uh, retired from, um, he worked in the uh, Genesee County Prosecutor's Office in Flint, Michigan. And so he was an affirmative action officer. So his job was pretty stressful. And so he would go to the golf course to decompress. And sometimes he would have to babysit me while mom was at work. So he would take me. And so that's kind of how I got started. And I would just have fun with it. And I would just kind of watch what he would do. And then I would mimic what he was doing. And so he really picked up on the fact that I was able to pick up on golf really quickly. And so um, it wasn't until just later on, though, like maybe in middle school, I quit for Mm -hmm. like a year because (laughs) I fell in love. (laughs) I fell in love with volleyball and I was like, nope, nope, I'm playing volleyball. I love this. And so my mom had to pull me to the side and she's like, Shas, um, your father will buy you a car when you <laughs> <laughs> when you're like 16 or 17. Um, 
but the only way he's going to do that is if you play golf again. And I was like, really? Okay. Well, all right. (laughs) So I went back into golf. And then this time though, I was like, Hey dad, like he, he would taught me, but then I was like, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And so he got me a pro, um, a, a swing coach in the area with all the like really top girls we're going to. And from there, we just started reconstructing a swing. And um, from there, got me a scholarship. I went to Jackson State. And it wasn't until officially my sophomore year that I had a really good year. Um, sophomore going into junior year, I had a really good year, which is college golf and then amateur golf, where I was like, you know what? Like, I can do this. And I can like play for a living and just add on top of the fun of just making money with it too. Right. So <laughs> oddly, my senior year, first semester, I play like crap. And <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know now about this. <laughs> but I put so much pressure on myself. I just, obviously I realized that. And then my senior, um, my second semester of my senior year, I, was, I played great. I went back right. to kind of straight made a transition, but it really made me realize like, I don't know. It's just a feeling that comes over me that mm-hmm. when I'm on the golf course, there's a peace, there's a calm. And it's like, Hey, I'm supposed to be doing this. Even if I'm shooting like lights out or if I'm shooting a billion, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if I'm shooting a billion, it's fine. Like, well, no, it's not fine, but I know <laughs> that I can bounce back from that. <laughs> right. So um, that's kind of how I just figured that it was something I was supposed to be doing. And, it, and then when I left, um, in 2014, the end of the season, I was like, so frustrated with just everything. And I needed a break from golf. And so when I went to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers, it was cool for the first year. And mm-hmm. then, cause it's like, it's normal life. Right. Like you're, right. you know, you're working Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays, but you get vacation days. Um, you get to actually have a normal vacation and pre-plan. And it was just all these and consistency and stability. And it was great until um, 20, was it 2016? I went to uh, the ESPN Women's Sports Summit up in Chicago with one of my good friends because we're mm. starting a sports podcast together. And so there was all these female athletes up there and the Olympians and, you know, you just kind of listen to their stories. And I'm sitting in the audience like, something doesn't feel right about this. Right. And so I'm like looking at my friend and I'm like, something, something, I, I don't feel good about this. And I should be feeling great. Like I feel motivated, but I was, wasn't feeling motivated in the right way. Mm. And so I realized that it was because I left the game on bad terms mm. and I left because I felt forced to, and not that I wanted to. And so when we're leaving, I said, Hey, um, I'm going to go play again. And she's like, okay, cool. Um, (laughs) And she's like, when? And I was like, I don't know when, but I'm just, I have to do this. Right. So I had to um, also leave the partnership because I didn't want her to have to uh, have somebody that's not fully vested. And so I feel like anything I do, I give it a hundred percent and that's Mm -hmm. it. Like it's either a hundred percent or nothing at all. And so um, later on, I think, yeah, the spring of, 2017, I went back uh, to play again. Wow. 
I mean, there's so many things there that I'd love to tackle. I mean, first of all, you know, anytime you're a professional in anything or anything you do it at a high level, I mean, you are a high performing individual. Hey, everybody, she is a Hall of Fame golfer. When you were doing all that at that level, like what was the work ethic? Um, were there to do this or like, was it constantly on? I know you talk about being on 100% all the time, but was it like that at that younger age of your life? When I was younger, um, be honest, my dad had to force me to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, we went back and forth. Like I, I was never, ever disrespectful to my father, but we had our arguments and our disagreements right. on the course. <laughs> and he'd be like, Shasta, you need to be doing it this way, this way, and this way. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do it that way. I'm like, I don't even want to be here right now. And he'd be like, <laughs> so frustrated with me. <laughs> and I just like watch daddy hit the ball. And I'm like, I don't want to watch daddy hit the ball. And so <laughs> we went through that little time period of just kind of fighting right. each other. And then once I started working with the swing coach, um, he would be at my lessons with me. And so he would also process what the coach was teaching me. So when we went to practice, he's making sure I was working on the right things. And so at practice, we were still kind of going back and forth, but I was motivated at that point to improve because also I knew my dad was my, well, not just my dad, my mom, like they were spending money, right. family money to mm-hmm. invest into golf. And I knew about finances at that point. It was like my, well, of course, yeah, high school, freshman year of high school. So I knew that, hey, like you made a commitment, you need to follow through on this. And then number two, time. Like we're putting all this time into it too. And I'm making, like, everyone's making loads of sacrifices. And so I took it a little more serious in high school where I would be like, dad, hey, I need to go practice. Um, You know, can you take me to practice? Or mom, can you drop me off the course for a few hours or what have you? And I was never a member at a country club. We just didn't have the income for that. Right. Uh, so we had to budget accordingly. So I would just practice at the public courses in the area, which we had a lot of them. A um, couple have shut down now right, at this right, point, right, but right, 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 um, right. we had a lot of access to a lot of public golf courses. Um, so we just budgeted correctly and tried to make the most out of my practice uh, schedule. And then um, college, that's when I really pushed, like not only Co- Coach Payton would push us to go to practice, of course we had to, but on the weekends, <laughs> I would be like, <laughs> I'm going to practice. Does anyone want to go with me? And some of my teammates would go. And mm-hmm. um, I felt like that hard work did pay off because I played pretty well overall in college. And we played some pretty competitive schools. Uh, we, you know, we, we really motivated each other overall. And I just knew that I wanted to do something great with golf if I can mm. and if I great. was allowed the opportunity to and so um after graduating then the work level basically increased and I was at the course like for hours and I found that even when I when I graduated I had um a job at the golf course for about a year maybe um mm-hmm. where I was, so I can have access to a country club and I had to pay for a membership so I would work like the morning shift. So then I can have the after, rest of the afternoon, late into the evening to practice. And so I did that until I got semester tour status, a little bit of status in 2010. And I needed to go to do the Midwest swing. 
like Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, play all these tournaments. But my uh, boss was out of town at that time. And I needed to tell him, hey, I need to take like a leave, like a month. So I was like, what do I do? I can't just leave. But then I was like, this is my dream. And this is really why, like, this is what it's all for. So I left a note on his desk. (laughs) And... I get a call like a few days later as I'm like driving up to Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) And um, he goes, so you can't really leave a note on, um, you need to like let someone know (laughs) that you're leaving. So we're going to have to fire you (laughs) or let you go either or. I was like, okay, that's fine. No problem. Because I already know that like, I appreciate the opportunity, but there's something bigger out there for me and I'm doing it right now. So at that point now I had all the free time, you know, so I knew that I was going to take advantage of it. So I got, and this was in 2010. Yeah. In the fall, I Mm -hmm. worked my butt off and I ended up getting my tour card and to know that you still have, that's just, one part of it you still have to obviously continue to work hard but just knowing that the only way for me to achieve any of the goals that I'm trying to achieve is I have to put in the work right and and that's that really does apply to everything and not just the work but working smart too like you could be out there working on all the wrong things and you for hours at a time you're training mm-hmm. bad habits. And so it's a combination of working really hard, but also working really smart. Right. I love, I mean, your whole story is like this hustle, this like, yeah. you have this very like calm determination. Like, it's just like, ah, oh, this is what I did. I love it. I, I, I love, I love that. But I, I love for you to talk about a very mental sport in many ways it's also like so up and down um you're in a country club so you're trying to find ways to basically like hack the system to work and then and then practice and then you're driving i mean you're getting a phone call from you know hey we're gonna have to let you go some of you is probably some of us are like yeah that's okay great and there's also but also there's that like oh shoot i don't have whatever I, I don't have with it so what did you do mentally how do you mentally prepare even even to this day, to get yourself mind right in a sport, in a life that is very nomadic in many ways, up and down, running around. It's like my life, actually. Yeah, yeah. Nomadic is the perfect word for it. Um, So early, I don't, you know, growing up, when you start to become aware of your surroundings, I never saw anybody look like me on the golf course. Um, up until I joined Flint Inner City Junior Golf. And there was one other, one other young lady that um, she was older than me, you know, a, few, a couple years older than me. And I, uh, you know, I looked at her like, okay, like, well, there's one person that looks like me. But leading up to that, the level of comfort was never there. Mm. So every time I'm at my little junior events or whatever, everyone's always pleasant. Like I, we didn't have these, not that I know of, maybe my dad didn't tell me, but we didn't have experiences where people were just nasty up to us. Right. People were always curious. So there was always this, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, what? We're like, okay, your daughter, where are you guys from? Yeah. Like, okay. They're like, your daughter, what other sports does she play? Okay. And, you know, they're just trying to figure out who, who are we and, right. you know, how did we get here? You know, what does my dad do for a living to be able mm-hmm. to even be here? And so I got used to the thought of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm. And that has resonated with me, like overall with everything. There have been moments um, throughout my life where I've, I felt like I've had to really adapt myself when I was feeling so uncomfortable, where I'm just like, oh, I really don't want to be here right now. Or I feel like nobody in here I can relate to, but you're just going to have to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And so mentally, I found that I internal, I've, this is some, one of the things I've been learning about myself um, is that I internalize a lot of things and I don't voice it. Mm-hmm. So if I have an issue, if, unless it's a really big issue, like I'm not going to say anything because I'm like, maybe it's not that big of a deal, you know, and you try to be a little understanding of what the mm-hmm. circumstances or what's going on. But I found that it's worked for me, but it hasn't worked for me. So mentally, um, I've been pretty strong overall, um, you know, dealing with the adversity of not having full access to um, a golf course to practice at consistently without running up a huge tab. So I knew what I had to deal with. And I just knew that I could use my mind to be able to beat my peers. And um, I just kind of banked on that. And there's been times where I've been frustrated Right. Where I was like, you know, I really wish I could be able to acquire more resources to be able to surpass uh, my playing partners. Um, but that's when I figured I would just try my hardest to tap into focusing on my performance. And with that, when you talk about the mental game, you look at when people say, positive you know think positive think positive like don't think negative well honestly it's true because I've recalled so many times where I'm like walking up to a hole and I know that I've had history on this hole where I haven't played it executed it really well so I'm walking up and you can feel if you're really in tune with how you're feeling I'm feeling antsy I'm feeling anxious Mm -hmm. and I'm like I can't, but I don't want to voice it. I'm not going to admit to myself. I'm like, you are scared as hell to hit your tee shot right now. (laughs) Because it could potentially go left. (laughs) Out of bounds. And so. That's me all the time, by the way. Mine is always going left or right. And it's, and it's scary because it's like you're, you're in competition and you're trying to do the best that you can on every hole that you, you can actually execute each shot. And so I'm like, well, Start listening to how, not listening, yeah, but feeling how you're feeling in your body. And so what I did was um, I sat down one day and I started writing down how, how I was thinking on each hole that I um, birdied or parred or bogeyed or doubled or even greater. And I started noticing a pattern. And so that's why I was like, your mind is causing these bad shots. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to dive into um, a lot of the mental golf books. 
And uh, because I've had access to like a couple of sports psychologists for like maybe a couple of sessions, but um, it gets costly. And yes, you know, it does. <laughs> it gets a little costly. <laughs> we're like, okay, like we kind of have to work around that. Maybe a couple right. sessions, see what we can do with that. And after that, I really just started studying the, the, the mental game. And understanding like what triggers my fears on the golf course. And then also too, like when you're on the golf course, how whatever you're thinking about, if it's very chaotic, most likely things that are chaotic on the course are gonna be chaotic off the golf course because you really yeah. are going to be two different types of people. You're the same pe- person. So um huh. that's been something that I've also like even now, like I'm still learning about myself. So um, that I can say that that's been a strength for me is um, overcoming adversity. And it does help that I went to um, went through the Flint public school system where they just make you tough. <laughs> 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 tough. Like tough. So you're ready for any and everything. Right. I, I, I love that, that you share that story. I, you know, I have a, a few clients I work on the mental performance side and like it's all like that anxiety that a lot of athletes feel, you know, some of it, and I found is how we label it as well, too. It's like that this fee, it's a feeling. And mm-hmm. if we if it's like we say it's nervous, it's, it's nervousness. But then if we say it's excitable, it's we're excited then it's like it's excitement. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's how we label it with with everything, everything, everything. I love your story about like, first of all, you did your own research, finding the books and finding whatever. Oh, my dad started that. Uh, I can't do that. Dad again <laughs> showing his face. Dad has been like solid, like rock solid. I'm telling you. <laughs> Dad's like, you need to swing. Watch me swing. Watch me read. And watch how we do this mental stuff. That's how we're gonna do with it. <laughs> yes, he's so invested, and it's it's been it's been I've been very very thankful for him. Yeah. No, I I I I think that's that's awesome. As you moved on to the pro game, let's talk about. When you were at Pricewaterhouse, you're there for two or three years, right? You had mm-hmm. um, looked in the back mirror. Golf was like, all right. I, I love how you talk about like it was like this normal, consistent life that we're kind of like taught that that's what we're supposed to have. Like you're mm-hmm. supposed to have a house and the fence and the family and the dog. Well, I don't have any of that. I have an apartment. <laughs> um, and But like talk about like was there fear going back? to golfing was there like being unsure was there ever a chance was like oh man I don't know and how quickly was it for you mentally to get back into that space um so I I didn't really have a fear I was nervous Mm. but the fear wasn't based off of if I can perform or not the fear which has always kind of been lingering in the back of my mind was am I going to be able to afford to do this Mm. so golf's so expensive and I don't know if a lot of people know this but you're like a small business and you need to have capital okay from from jump street and from there you basically you're just you're trying to get all your expenses paid for for the whole year so then you just go out and play and see how much money you can make right I mean that's kind of a simple way to say it and so I, I mean, I wasn't scared of if I could do it or not, because I know that if I can get things in order for myself, that I can do it. Mm. And that's just a self-belief. And for years, I struggled 
with really fully believing in myself at different time, different time periods in my life. And I found that the times that I really wasn't believing in myself, I was having these consistent setbacks. And um, I remember for two years straight, I had two investors fall through where they were like on board, on board. And when it was time to cut the check, all of a sudden they're just, we can't do it. We'll pull out. And that kind of mentally, I think will definitely mess with you um, because you're like, well, why don't they believe in me? You know, why don't they want to support me? Um, Then you start to wonder, okay, am I not as good as I think I am? And you start to really doubt yourself and you're, you're feeding into it. And then if you're on, you're just going to go downhill. Mm-hmm. and you just you, you succumb to your circumstances and so um I knew that I couldn't do I couldn't be thinking the same way that I was thinking prior to working at uh work prior to when I was playing before mm. so um and my dad had to talk with me about it he's like look you know you gotta do things differently um in order to get different results and so like, okay so um to 2017 you know, I, I didn't have any sponsorship. Um, I saved up some money. My dad helped me out. Um, and we're just trying to like get back into it and, um, get some status on some type of tour, whether it's LPGA or Symmetra tour. And so from there I was like, okay, like I just need to find sponsorship because I know if I'm financially good, I'll be able to perform better. Like I just, I could feel that. Um, so that's basically like where I was at, uh, when I was leaving the firm. Wow. That's, I mean, I, I love this. I mean, you're like, you're talking about the real fears of what people have, right? Like this is, I mean, think, you know, I've got coaches listening or CEOs listening. Like we're talking about a situation where as regular people, we're always, and I say regular, I, I don't know what's another word we can use for it, but like as regular every day, you know, you work, you're so worried about your finances, like a month from now, two months from now, you're talking about like trying to like put stuff away for a year. So you could, or six months, so you could focus on the sport and how taxing that, that you did to be like, all right, I'm not getting sponsorships or, or these people are coming across like they don't believe in me what are things that you did mentally to be like all right that's a bunch of bs i'm a badass let's move forward so surprisingly there were times where i didn't feel like it like Mm -hmm. i felt horrible and i was felt like in 2013 like 2012 i had a great year um i was able to climb myself back from because in 2011 okay so let me just start back 2011 i acquired i got my lpga tour card but at the same time I got, ended up getting tendonitis in both my wrists. And mm. so I tried to play through that and that was a disaster. Um, and so 2012, I had a bounce back year. And 2013, I was able to get my tour card back. And um, that was when the investor thing fell through. And so that put a lot of strain on myself. I strained my dad for sure. Um, I strained my mom and my stepdad Um financially. And I just started slipping into depression Mm. and I didn't know it at the time, but I just felt myself not feeling motivated to go to the golf course because I was like, what is this for? Mm. Like, I, I can't even pay to go play in that tournament. I just like the, I got into, um, tournament mobile Alabama, uh, my first LPGA event of 2013 couldn't get in or I couldn't go. 
So I was frustrated. I was angry. And I just felt probably one of the lowest points in my life. And um, I just felt like my dream's right there and I can't catch it. I can't grab a hold to it. Um, And so what, I don't know, like, I try to get out of it. I started working with a life coach um, and she, honestly, like, that was a huge blessing for me because I didn't realize I needed it. It was really weird how we got into contact with each other. It was through the investor that flaked. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So screw him. (laughs) Right. Screw him, but but I got a life coach out of this. But like, she was, uh, Bree, she was fabulous um, because she started tapping into things that I really didn't realize I was having issues with. Cause I internalized everything growing up right. and it started all coming out and I was 27 at the time. So I started feeling before I started talking to her, I had bad anxiety and I was just feeling like this regret um, over me. And I don't know what it was from, but I just knew I had a feeling I didn't know what to do with it. And so working with her, we started to tap into a lot of issues I had had um, internalized growing up Um from being like, not necessarily bullied because I was fighting back. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I, don't, you're <laughs> I was fighting, you know, so like teasing maybe, um, just like really bad um, experiences from like being graceful. And so uh, she helped me really process a lot of that and to see like, how is that affecting me to today? And so at that point, I started to make a change emotionally. And then in 2014, I was got in contact with another investor that was so eager to work with uh, to work with myself and at that time my agent. And then he flaked. Mm. And so with that, I just it was really hard to just be like, Shasta, like go back to your merits. Like you are an amazing offer and you can do this. It was so hard to do it because it just kept consistently piling up, piling up, piling up. And then that's when I could barely go to any tournament or afford to go to any tournaments. And I was like, all right, I gotta fall back on my plan B. So I reached out to one of my mentors. Uh, who was a former partner at Ernst & Young. And I said, hey, Mr. Pack, like, I need your help. Like, I can't afford to play golf anymore. And um, I'm going to have to look for an accounting job, something. And so he helped me find a, um, a interview coach. And so I, I didn't even know I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so can you just like send me like, you know, I'll do my resume, send it in and go to interviews. Like, nope. No, because you need to do this the right way. Right. And so um, that led to an opportunity with PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I was able to stay in Florida um, and just move from Orlando to Tampa. And, um, you know, at that time, it was hard to let. Like at the time, I really didn't think about how painful it was to leave golf because mm-hmm. I was just in the moment of just moving, 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 you know, um, calling people, uh, sending resumes, doing interviews. And so I wasn't sitting down and thinking like, Hey, like, do you really want to do this? But I just went with it. Cause I thought that that was the norm. Right. That's what oh. you should do. Go get a normal yes. job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> normal job. My cousin, like my family is so fun. I was laughing about my family's like, at the time they were like, you don't have a normal job. And I'm like, like you're not working. I'm like, I'm at, at, like, I'm working, I'm at practice. And they're like, 
it's not really <laughs> yeah <work. laughs> like, it like, is. it is i'm like it, it is, is but... work yeah no, i'm <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think talk, people talk about it enough, meaning you are chasing, attacking, whatever you want to call it, what you want to do, right? And because of that, there are so many things in your life that isn't normal. You don't have dinner at, at a certain time. You are like, you don't come home. There's not a consistency that people are so used to seeing. So when it comes to whether it's friendships whether it's being romantically involved with somebody, um, those are so up and down. And in some ways you, you lose some of that, but you gain so much because you're also gaining the people who support and understand what you are trying to do. Because ultimately we have one, we have one chance of this thing called life. So like, let's go. Like, what are we doing? Like, how has it been in your life juggling all of that? I would say it's been a roller coaster ride because um, a lot of times some of my friendships did suffer. There were times where my friends were like, hey, you want to come on this trip with us? I'm like, I got a tournament. Right. And they're like, you can't skip one tournament. I'm like, no, because I'm not skipping any paychecks, <laughs> <laughs> P- potential paychecks to go spend money. Right. <laughs> right. The logic behind that is. <laughs> I just wasn't in a position to be able to do that. And so I would say that those suffered. um, My, my romantic relationships have suffered because um, I'm not there on that. And so it makes it challenging. And sometimes it's not fair to that person. Like that they're like, Hey, like I want someone that's here more. And I just wasn't at that point in my life. Right. Um, So, you know, we had to part ways and those have been, I would say there have been, some have been painful more than others. Um, and I find that you can still have these things. You can still have friends and you can have relationships all with, but it has to be with the right people that understand why you do what you do and know that you are dedicated to your craft. And you're also dedicated to nurturing the friendships and relationships. And, um, I've noticed that, well, when I went to go work at PwC and this really said a lot, um, about the people that were around me, people started disappearing Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you had a swarm of people come and they're just like, (laughs) Oh, go Shasta. We're on Shasta's team. Like you can do this, blah, 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 team Shasta. But then when I went to go work, it just, I didn't hear from some of these people. Right. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it bothered me. Cause I was like, were they really there for who I am? Um, or was it because I literally just, cause I was playing golf. And so that in itself was hurtful because I realized that, okay, like they weren't there for like who I was. And that's very important to have people around you that really believe in you because it's you and not what you're doing. Just know that like, you just, you have that strong unit, that, that loyalty, that's like, it's the loyalty that, and I'm so big on loyalty and to find that you had other people that are dropping off. I'm like, okay, cool. At least I know that you're really not here for the right reasons and welcoming new people into my life that I know for a fact that I can feel are going to be here for the long term. Uh, 
You know what? I'd give you a high five right now, but we can because we're supposed to be <laughs> six feet apart, but we're there it is. hundreds of miles. <laughs> I, 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 amazing stuff. I got one more question for you. This is the piece de resistance. This is what the, the listeners and the viewers are always waiting for. And here it is. When they make the Shasta Avery Hart full featured film, who is playing you? Oh, oh yeah. Such a good question. Yeah. That got um, me a question of the year by podcast magazine last year. That's right. Cause I forgot it is in your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't prepare myself. Like I didn't prepare for Skype. <laughs> uh, and now we're on zoom. <laughs> um, wow. So it'd have to be someone younger. Okay. Um, I would say Zendaya. That's yeah. a really, really good one. Yeah, she's so cute. And she's yeah. an incredible actress. And I would find that she would be able to definitely tap into who I am and my personality and my mind. Right. And be able to emulate that. So I just, I, yeah, that's her, Zendaya. That's awesome. No one has ever broken it down that way. Usually people are like, yeah, I think that person looks like me. I like, I agree with you. I think Zendaya can get into the character, the ups and downs, all the different issues uh, we all have and the challenges growing up and everything else. I always say that there's a couple people who will play me. Um, it's going to be, uh, it could be Tom Cruise, um, yeah. although I'm not a big Scientologist and he, he has hair. Um, <laughs> or we could really go box office big and have The Rock play me. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I yes. think Because yes. I nicknamed myself The Pebble. So it's kind of like a good play off each other. With, with <laughs> so, no. Yes, that's now, perfect. Sh- rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, The Rock, I know you're a listener to this show. Maybe. <laughs> you should play me. It's unbelievable. Um, Jazz, where, I mean, first of all, thank you for coming on. Your story is amazing. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Flattered that, that you agree to come on. Um, Talk about or just tell people where can people find you and follow you and just become like this huge fan of yours. Okay, so yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, people can find me on my social media outlets. I'm pretty active on Instagram. So it's my full name, Shasta Avery Hart. Twitter, I am S. Avery Hart. And um, Facebook fan page, um, just under my name, Shasta Avery Hart Golf. And I probably should do a little bit better job of being a little more active on there, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but um, you know, I'm in the, like during this whole COVID nineteen situation that we have going on. Like, this has been a perfect time to really catch up on paperwork, updating my website, uh, interacting more with uh, my following on all my social media outlets. So, um, just been definitely using this time wisely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I am, uh, this has been awesome. You've been so enlightening and you empower so many people uh, on just so many different streams. Thanks so much for having us, Shasta. I will see you later. All right, bye. How about that story? I love Shasta's story and her resilience is second to none. You know, a great question to ask yourself is, what if that was me? Would I have been able to keep going to fight for my dreams to make it into a reality. Really something to think about. Please reach out to her. She is an amazing person with a phenomenal soul and you will absolutely get your buckets filled by her energy and her 
presence. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. As you know, without you, we are nothing. So continue to support, continue to send us messages, continue to send us people that you would love to hear because our mission here is to help you get better, be a light, and continue to be contagious for the people around you. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. See you next time. Thank you.